All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Limitless MD. Guys, I have an amazing guest here today. So I want to introduce Dr. Latifat Akintade, who is an amazing GI physician based out of Sacramento and is the founder of the Money Coaching School for Badass Women Physicians. She's the, also the host of the Money Fit MD podcast, author of the book Done With Broke, A Women's Physician Guide to More Mon- Money with Less Hustle. And guys, she is living the dream. She is deciding to take her family and live abroad for 12 months with her husband and her kids and is doing it on her terms. And so if you want to even learn a glimpse of the kind of freedoms she's experiencing, you guys have to tune into this podcast. What if you could reclaim hours of free time each week, create legacy building wealth and devote more energy to your passion projects without giving up on your career as a life-saving MD? My name is Vikram Raya, functional cardiologist, high-performance coach, and real estate expert. And I'm here to give you the tools, strategies, and solutions you need to transform your life so you can unlock your limitless potential and achieve greatness all the while freeing up your precious time. Welcome to Limitless MD. Let's dive in. Latifat, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm already enjoying chatting with you. So this is going to be good. Let's have some fun. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, as you know, um, you know, I really believe in the concept of a limitless physician, a limitless MD, and you seem to be espousing many of those characteristics. Is this how it would always was for you? Did you just wake up out of fellowship and say, hey, I'm limitless, let's go? Or, or was it a process? And tell us your origin story. Absolutely. A hundred percent process. Seven, eight years ago, if I got a glimpse into my life right now, I would have laughed and said, that's somebody else. And part of it, too, is I don't like labels. So I never thought, you know, limitless or high performance or anything. I just leave my life because I don't necessarily fit into boxes. So I just leave my life as best as I can and don't limit myself based on the criteria or whatever. But um, my journey started about 20 something years ago. I moved from Nigeria, my siblings and I. Uh, our parents stayed back in Nigeria at that point. So we stayed with a family member in LA. I went to UCLA, had a great time. I went to UCSF for med school. And then I went to New York, Mount Sinai, New York for residency and then GI fellowship in Sacramento at UC Davis. And then decided to stay in Sacramento because I love California. I love Sacramento. Uh, but what that means is I hit a lot of expensive cities. <laughs> and what that means is I drug my debt you know, with me. My student loans and all that were with me. They were my companions that I didn't know anything about. And part of this was because I was surviving. I had responsibilities pretty pretty early. Like when I was in med school, my siblings and I lived together at a you know third year rotation. We lived in a townhome together. And my youngest was in high school, my youngest sibling was in high school. So for us, student loans meant that we could pay the rent, we could pay electricity and those really practical things. So I'm not one of those people that hates student loans, although I do think there needs to be better regulation, but I would not be where I am right now if I did not have access to the debt that I do. Um, but anyways, I went through my med school and all that stuff, got married in residency, had our first kid in residency, second kid in fellowship, and then my third kid in attending. And I remember um, finishing fellowship and Almost, I'm so glad that I had this moment because it was like a glimpse into my future. 
at that point, I love GI, which I still do. I think GI is fun. We get to talk about shit all day. There's literally no better job, in my opinion, than that. <laughs> and I love IBD, which is, you know, Crohn's disease, colitis. And in my opinion, the best settings to do that is in an academic or large hospital system. So to be able to practice the medicine that I wanted to practice and help the population I wanted to, I was going to choose to be employed. And I just had this aha moment of what my life would look like if I did not get my money stuff together. And for me, my life was going to be working from someone else, letting them decide, potentially letting them decide how I practice medicine, not doing what I wanted to do. And I had lived through residency and fellowship, apologizing to my kids and not necessarily being the kind of parent that I wanted or thinking I did not have a choice. And the fear of living my life and apologizing to my kids forever because of all the things that I thought I didn't have a choice about was what made me go, I need to figure out my finances and who do I owe, who is Auntie Sally May that keeps writing me letters and just really start from scratch. So seven years ago was where my journey started and I literally knew nothing. I did not know what a 401k was. I did not know what a budget it was. I looked at budgeting. I hated budgeting. I still hate budgeting. I don't love math. So literally every single thing you can think about of why someone would think they would not be good with money, I had all those criteria. I also had shame and guilt about what I didn't know, even though nobody had taught me, right? So my journey to here was really me trying to figure out my money myself, learning from examples that I had seen of what I did not want my life to look like, what I did not want my success to look like what I did not want wealth to look like for me. So I literally had to learn all that. And a lot of what I discovered throughout the process was that it wasn't even just about the numbers. The numbers are part of it, but there's a lot more that goes into wealth and living life on your terms. And that has to do more with your relationship with money, your relationship with how you manage money, your relationship with yourself and your relationship with others. And so that really became the core. And when I understood that, I'm like, huh, this is actually what money is about. It's about learning those habits, those mentalities, those things that nobody's really talking about. And so I imputed that into my own life and it's helped me be really, really successful in a short amount of time without me taking extra shifts, without me trying to grind to, to death, without me trying to hustle. I work hard, don't get me wrong, but I work hard and diligently and focus, but I don't hustle to see what else is happening out there. I mind my own business in an expansive, abundant sense of the word. And now what I do is I help other women physicians do that as well. Because when we figure that part out, when we learn about that relationship, when we really do that work of the mindset piece, money becomes easy. And people are like, oh my goodness, I'm doing the things I never thought I could do. I'm deciding how I want my life to live. I'm not deciding what success looks like based on what society has defined. I'm not doing finances based on how it's been traditionally taught. I'm doing it on my own. And that's what's led me to Money Fit MD and the money school that I have for women physicians and you know the programs that we have available through it. Awesome, awesome, man. There's a lot to unpack there. But uh, let's start with this. Um, let's start with your relationship with money. What was it and what is it now? So my relationship with money was like a hot potato. We did not know each other. It was like the friend that you don't even like at all. Like you use each other. That's what it was. So I would use money as a thing that I needed to transact through life. But number one is I didn't believe that I was, I had the capacity to take care of it. I didn't believe that 
It was something that didn't have to define me. Right. So my thought about money was I, I like using analogies and it's literally like the friend where you guys only like someone uses each other and there's no mutual respect. There is no mutual understanding of the power that both of you guys have independently and together. And, you know, that was my relationship. And now, of course, it's changed to what the what I want it to be, which is where I number one is I have my own identity with myself. I know exactly who I am. I'm not perfect or close to perfect. And I got my own drama. I don't want anybody listening to this to think I got it all figured out, but I understand I'm never, ever going to get it figured out. And I'm going to be successfully unfigured out, whatever that means. Right. But the key is I understand what money has the capacity to do. And I now see it as a tool that is like an accessory that I get to own, use, respect, be the sort of like the delegator of what it should do. And it's not meant for me to hoard it in a closet. It's meant for me to use to create the life that I want now and also in future so I can live the life of purpose that I want now, but also have that option as well in the future. I love the fact that you use the word respect money and uh, money's almost like a tool or like, you know, it's like a good friend. And if you tr take care of it, it takes care of you. Uh, I don't think you use the word velocity, but it's sort of like instead of hoarding it, but sharing it and getting the speed of money to to work in everyone's favor, win, win, win. And also letting money sort of help you achieve your purpose, which is, which is great. I love the word purpose. Uh, I think once if more people figure out their purposes, we'd have a lot more clarity in this life and people would actually do what things that matter versus things that are trivial. So let's get back into the next thing. Um, Living your life on your own terms. I've I've heard you mention that a couple of times. Can you share with the with the doctors who are listening? What is living life on your on your own terms, and why do you think so few doctors do? I think so few doctors do because they don't know why they're where they are. Most doctors do, or many doctors do not live life on their terms because they haven't done the work of figuring out their finances. And for me, money is a foil for that. And honestly, I don't think, I, I don't take full credit for getting an insight into this. I honestly think it's, you know, if you believe in God, it's something that I believe that God just blessed me with that wisdom, to be honest with you. And the reason why I say that is at that beginning of my attendantship was where I really realized that the foil to my life is my voice. If I cannot speak, it's not compatible with living for me. And I honestly think that I say that on a macro level, but on a micro level, that is also true for most physicians and we don't even know it. There's a lot of reasons why physicians are burnt out. And if you look at the data, it's very variable depending on the study, 40 to 60% you know, of physicians at any point in time. And many, I think it's actually probably higher than that. And our voices are so important that part of the reasons why we burn out is because we feel muted. We don't feel that we can speak what we want to speak. We don't think we can practice medicine, say yes and say no, and know that we will be okay regardless of the consequence. And that is something that is the most important thing to me in my life, is the ability to know that whatever the consequence of this is, I got it. I will figure it out. If I lost every penny that I had, I will figure it out, right? And that is a belief that, is something that you get to practice. 
and everybody has access to it. If you don't believe that you don't have a choice in how you practice medicine, you can believe you have a choice in how you practice medicine. There are literally two sides of the same coin. And there's certain things you want to do, like getting our finances together is honestly the most important part of that, right? Because as normal human beings, it is completely natural and normal to want to make sure that your family is taken care of, that they don't lose shelter, right? That you have the ability to feed your kids and send them to good schools. So a lot of times we're looking for that sense of financial security so that we can have those things to a level of certainty, which, you know, I can talk about you about all day about how I believe that our system has done a shitty job. And I will say shit because I'm a GI doctor and I talk about <laughs> shit how I get paid professionally. But our society has done a shitty job of teaching us how to not prioritize the sense of security that gives us a suboptimal life of no choice versus learning the true meaning of security. And the security is not even in what we do. Security is in our brain and who we are. And that regardless of what's going on outside of us, we can create security. And when we truly know that, we would, medicine will get better because we'll no longer think we're muted. We'll no longer think that our clinical sources are only where we can earn multiple six figures or seven figures or whatever the crap you want to learn. So part of this, a lot of it goes back to that relationship with self and deepening of that trust and learning how to invest in our brain so that we can fine tune that accessory, that biggest asset that we all have been given that in my opinion has been collecting dust for a long so, time. So Latifat, you're mentioning you know habits and like, you know, money coming easily, but then also the fact that, you know, certainty and security are so important to physicians and they're, they're thinking their job is the way to get that. And then faith, which is believing something outside of what they know to be true to do that. Help me understand why the traditional financial structure, whether it's advisors, whether it's education, whether it's, you know, the, the people out there, uh, either the physicians are not learning from them or they're just not get they're not applying the knowledge or how how is what you're doing unique and you're speaking directly to a different voice in, in a different voice to these people yeah so i'll tell you um so a line of phrase that came to my mind a couple of i don't know weeks ago i actually wrote it down and it was like if you want an extraordinary life you have to make extraordinary choices mm, I like right that. Um, and extraordinary doesn't have to be hard. It just has to be intentional and sometimes maybe different, right? But a lot of times, if you think about it, the way that our culture is, is, is how to help most people not fail, right? And it's like Walmart, big batch, not personalized way. And there's nothing wrong with that. That can be like the base, but we have to create more than that. And the way that our system is created is nobody really talks in the traditional sense of the word about assets or liabilities, right? Nobody ever talks about like how to diversify your income, regardless of what your profession is. I have my sisters that are in IT. One of them works for like you know, both of them actually work for like really well-known companies that are laying off people. And because of the slim stuff that I'm telling physicians, and now my students are learning because they are tired of hearing me talk about it. And I'm like, I don't want to hear you complain about you being scared about getting fired if you don't diversify your income, right? So regardless of where your audience are, even whether they're physicians or not, the bottom line is that putting all of our eggs in one basket is not the way to go. Spending every single thing that you're taking home from your home, from your income, is not the way to go. 
Spending first and then investing what's left is not the way to go. You don't save what's left. You decide what you save and you spend what's left, right? So they're simple, but yet they can be life-changing if you're choosing to understand that if you are holding your breath, for your next paycheck to come in, something has to change, right? And something has to change means that you want, may have to earn differently from multiple sources, but you also may need to spend differently in a way that is different from how we've been taught to in the past, which is, you know, buy whatever you want, spend whatever you want, and all that stuff. Like, there's no sense of that discomfort. We're not taught that discomfort is currency to change. We're taught that do what you're comfortable with. And that phrase is like, killing more dreams and more lives than I can think about in a micro sense of the word, because if it's uncomfortable, I don't want to do it. When it's like, if we can just train differently, where it's like, you know what? I can tell the difference between bad discomfort versus optimal discomfort. How can I own in and understand that what I'm feeling in my body is not going to kill me, but it's literally what is going to help me refine who I am into creating the other things that I want to be or want to do. So, uh, I want to just uh, pause and just let the audience sort of marinate in some two of the quotes that I, I picked up from you. If you want to live an extraordinary life, you have to make extraordinary choices. That was awesome. I love that quote. And then the second thing I, I heard was um, discomfort is a currency to change. That was that was beautiful, too. So thanks for sharing those. Those are amazing. So, guys, um, you know, this is the kind of mindset shift positions are starting to make across the country where instead of being victims or just uh, people that just follow the herd, they're, they're breaking free and they're doing things on their terms, living life on their terms, defining what success is to them. And it's not what everyone thinks. It's not the doctor house, the doctor car, and then the doctor retirement at age of 70 or 80. But it's perhaps the sabbaticals that we're seeing Dr. Latifat taking with her family, or it's, 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 you know, doing the, the passions, your hobbies, building in that into your work week versus, you know, um, just, 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 just sacrifice everything for one future goal or retirement. Um, tell me some of the things that you're sensing when you, when you coach your physicians, what are the, what are the revenue streams you're seeing? And what are, what are the financial disciplines you're seeing? That, that are starting to be cultivated? Absolutely. I think the smallest, lowest hanging fruit that I really focus on with physicians is making sure that you're getting well paid at what you're doing, right? Because, you know, based on data, there's high probability that as women physicians, we may be offered less in multiple ways. We may be underbilling. We get more in-basket messages, which are unpaid for the most part. So number one is just optimizing what we're what we're actually already doing. And by just doing that, I see people increase their income by multiple four to five figures every month. And that may not sound like a lot, but if you take that and you're investing it into things and letting the power of compounding happens, it's one or two extra shifts you're not doing a month, right? So it does add up. That's number one. Number two is just finding what they're interested in. And I think the key is, you know, before, I think it was before we started the interview, you said something, you said, it looks like you're having fun doing the things that you're doing. And I said, yes. And the reason why is because what I do with Money Fit MD with my podcast is I get to give, I get to share, right? And anything that I make in terms of that is like a return on my investment of the giving that I'm given. So the key is, what is that for you? It doesn't have to be helping people about money. 
but for you, it may be speaking. Like, what is the thing that gives you joy that you've been disrespecting by thinking that you cannot earn money from, or you've been disrespecting by thinking, if I earn money from it, I'm going to decrease my joy in it. That's bullcrap. So that's the other question you want to ask yourself. But also just like the simple traditional things like doing index funds, that's a way to start for most people. That's how I started. That's how our net worth went from negative 200K to a good amount before we even did things like real estate. But I'm a huge fan of real estate. And I know that your audience may be tired of hearing about that. But I always tell people that, listen, success leaves clues, right? And you got to grab the clues. If you don't grab it, it ain't going to be a clue for your life. Like success may leave clues. It's like the dude that's like winking at you all day. You can ignore it or you can recognize that somebody's been winking at you. And that is clues in my opinion. And so when you look at the data on what a lot of successful people have done in the past for generations, real estate is one of them. There's of course no one size fits all, right? And asking ourselves, one of the things I do with my women is sometimes they're like, it has to be active. And I'm like, well, your life right now isn't accommodating active. So let's go the passive route. Like let's figure out how to make it work for you. And that's the key. Not trying to do it like everybody else, but you can learn from people and now ask yourself, how am I going to bring that into my life? Owning business is a huge thing that a lot of my people do. And that could be, you know, things like e-commerce. It could be things like your coaching, like hypercharging your speaking, like recognizing that you're a brand, right? So those are some things and there are other things you can own. My goal is this. I want more women to own stuff. I want us to own things that increase value over time. I want more women of color and people of color to own things. And when we focus on creating assets and owning things, it is close to impossible for our net worth to not grow. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I like how you broke it down so simply for folks. So guys, salary, medical income optimization, that's always a basic one that uh, many people forget. But it, it, as you can see, you know, there's a gender discrepancy that's been documented quite heavily across the country, not just in medicine, but in other professions as well. Um, but also just, you know, different parts of the country sometimes are not, you know, uh, according to standards. You can also negotiate, even if you are getting paid well, but if you're adding so much value to a practice or a firm or a hospital, you can always negotiate. And then I, I think she hints at sort of the uh, concept of the ikigai, which is like, you know, what are you really passionate about? What are you skilled at? What does the world need? And, you know, what's your zone of genius, right? If you can find that nexus, oh my God, the world better watch out for you. And then obviously stocks, equities, index funds, you know, options trading, real estate, you know, owning assets, owning businesses. It's great. It's really owning assets, whether that's a digital asset, it's it's a real estate asset, it's a stock asset. It's it's all about asset accumulation and, you know, spend spend less than you make, you know, invest the difference in intelligent assets that speak to you in some way, right? That's, that's exactly right. So. So now I, I got to talk about this um, sabbatical that you're on. Um, so tell me, you know, a lot of people want to take sabbaticals, but it's not common in medicine to do so. How did you pull this off and tell me the backstory behind it and tell me where you are now and, and what, what, what do you have planned for this year? You know, to be honest with you, I think my life is less impressive than that. <laughs> just like the sabbatical was not something that was like my five-year plan. I don't, you know, I don't have bucket lists. That's something that I've realized. And it was not until a couple months ago that I, I realized that the reason why is when we think bucket list, we automatically go to things that society and other people have defined as being impressive and we want to do that. 
But what I realized was that I have more of like quiet desires. And so for me, it's not about bucket list, about like what those quiet desires are. And it's they're going to continue to evolve. But it was really exactly almost a year ago, we were in Aruba, my husband and I, the kids were not with us. And we were, you know, talking with people there and we were really impressed by the fact that most people speak about four languages. And I was just like, imagine what happens when, if our kids can speak four languages, imagine what happens to their brain. It changes their brain, right? And we're like, how amazing would it be to be able to live in a place internationally for six months? And that was it. We're like, that would be awesome. But, you know, I'm a physician. We don't do that kind of crazy shit. I thought, right? And then we went home and life was happening. And about three months later, my husband was like, you know what? That thing we talked about, I'm ready. If you're ready, I'm like, what thing you talked about? It's like the travel thing. I'm like, I thought we're joking. It was like, no, if you want to do it, we can do it. And I was like, we don't do that ish. And it wasn't until literally, I mean, we're recording this in 2023. It was early fall slash late summer of last year was when I decided that we're going to take a sabbatical. And once we decided I mean, the thing that I teach women physicians is the same thing that I'm using. I have to be my own first client. I have to be my own first student. And the key is don't wait until you need it to have options. Like if I waited until I wanted a sabbatical to start figuring out how to diversify and all that, I would not be doing this for another couple of years. But because I had my money stuff together, I had assets I diversified active and passive, those sort of things. And I had that relationship with money and myself dialed in and continuing to evolve on that. That's the reason why I'm like, you know what? Let's do it. And we said, when do we want to do it? We said, let's do it in March. And that was literally six months, you know, six months ago. And we're like, okay. And I give my, I told my chief, if I put my 90 days note, I'm like, dude, I'm taking off next year. You better start looking for who to hire. And that, and, you know, I gave them official 90 days notice and, we're doing it. Our kids are young. They're ages five to 10. So we're homeschooling. Um, We signed up for a school online so that we don't have to create the curriculum, but we have to make sure they do the work. The youngest doesn't read well yet. So she's more hands-on than the others. But the key is our mindset is still the same. Our mindset even now is we're not on vacation. We're living around the world for a year. And the reason why we did that is we don't have to like binge on stuff. We don't have to hang out where the tourists are hanging. We get to live in where people are living and enjoy culture and build relationships and let our kids, you know, deal with ants and chase ants around trying to kill them and run from wall geckos. Like, I'm like, listen, you're my kid. You ain't going to be no, like, you're not going to be running from ants. <laughs> like, discomfort is a currency to change. So y'all better like kill those ants or, you know, whatever, clean up after yourself. But that's literally what we're doing. And it's, it's been great. You know, the book came out literally like last week. And so to be able to have the time to do the things that we've done with the book, you know, we're able to make bestseller pretty quickly within the first day that it came out. And they're just things that, you're never going to know everything about your future, right? So you might as well prepare for the best future that you want in your own definition based on what you know about yourself today so that when opportunity comes, you're ready for opportunity, right? You know, I, I had a podcast that I was on last week and the guy that interviewed me said something that really stuck with me. He said, you know, there's, and I haven't confirmed this, but he said there's articles and understanding that there is beauty to having experiences and memories, 
but you enjoy them, like what's even more important is how long you get to enjoy the memories for. So could I travel with my kids when I'm 85? Number one, they're going to have like more baggage and I pray that I'm alive then. But the key is this, if we can do it now, we get to enjoy these memories for even longer, right? We get to teach our kids, not just tell our kids, but show our kids that the U.S. is not the only world that's out there. There are other ways of doing things. And my, I know with all my heart that my kids' lives and our lives are going to be changed as a result of what we're doing right now. And for me, it's like, why the heck not? That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Um, where are some of the countries you're going to? So right now we're in Curacao. We just came back from Aruba. We're doing Bonaire, which is one of the three islands. We're doing about three or three and a half months in Europe. So we have, you know, Turkey, London, Greece, France. Uh, we want to do, um, what was my brain? Morocco. We want to do Morocco for sure. Nigeria and then Southeast Asia. That's a goal. That's beautiful. That's going to be an epic trip. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I heard my kids talking. They didn't know I was listening to them they were talking to each other and they were just saying like this is a trip of a lifetime like we're so fortunate we get to do this we're so you know they were just literally talking they're like 10 and 8 years old and you know i'm getting goosebumps telling you that right now but you know we can and a sabbatical is not for everybody necessarily but whatever that thing is for you we want the best for our kids and sometimes the thing verbally explaining and teaching is the only way but if we can just ask ourselves, like, what are the small changes we can make in our life now, right? When I was on call, when I would go on call, I told my kids I was doing it because I wanted to, not because I had to. So it's not just about like the vacation or the sabbatical only, but even with the work, I'm like, they're like, oh, mommy, we're sorry. You're going. I'm like, why are you sorry? I get to go take care of my patients and be there for their families. Wouldn't you want a doctor like me to be there for your family? And they're like, yeah, like, you know, so it's like the little things, but you know, our lives are, there are amazing things in our lives right now. It doesn't have to be like that when you have enough money to take that trip of a lifetime. But what is it about our lives right now that we're leaving on the table that's a source of joy that we're not seeing? If we leave from that place, we'll be teaching our kids more than any teacher in the world will ever teach our kids. So it's about being intentional in that in that way. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love your joy. I love your enthusiasm, passion. Uh, you definitely live the message. Um, you know, a lot of listeners will want to want to get a hold of you what's the best way for them to reach out to you they can go on my podcast you know the money fit md podcast i talk about all things money and mindset mm -hmm. um they can go on my website which is moneyfitmd.com now we have the book down with broke the woman physician's guide to more money and less hustle they can find a link there or amazon and i have some programs that i offer for women physicians that if people are interested in they can go on my website and find out more about too Thank you so much. That's awesome. Enjoy uh, your your abroad. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be so enriching for you and your family. And I can't wait to hear about it when you come back. And guys, thanks again for supporting the podcast. Really appreciate you all. Um, continue to live with uh, passion and, and be phenomenal. Catch you guys later. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Limitless MD. If you found value from this episode, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend and let me know by leaving a review. For more information, make sure you check out the links in the show notes below or simply visit VikramRaya.com. So until next time, my friends, be phenomenal.